Welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast, all about marketing mindset and business. Learn tips and advice to grow your appointments and the value of your clients featuring me, Joel, and Andy, as well as industry special guests. Let's do this. Andy, this is a fun one. Excellent. Our first ever room. Yeah, live in our Facebook group, on the room, at the same time as recording for Spotify, Google, Apple, and everything else. Brilliant. Let's get a room together. Not something I ever thought I'd say to you, Joel, as much as I love you. Yeah, you never let us book rooms together. (laughs) So what's this about? The fortunes in the follow-up? Yes, we are talking about following up, which... um, I actually had a meeting with a client today and we talked a lot about follow-up. So what, what do you what do you mean? Well, I guess it's the question to introduce this one is how much money is being left on the table in your business? Because we all love getting new business in. That's almost mm. like the thrill of the chase. But sometimes you're sitting on money, your existing database, people who have already inquired, people who maybe you've sent proposals out to, but you're not really following up with properly. How many times are you following up? And because we're British... We probably don't want to follow up too much because that's almost rude, isn't it, Joel? God forbid that we spend our time sending a proposal to someone who said, can you please send me a proposal? And then expecting an answer off them. Does that sound weird? Uh, Sounds like bollocks. (laughs) The conversation I had this morning, I won't name the name, but he won't mind me talking about it, was let's say you put proposals out for six or seven jobs. One of those jobs comes in, uh, the other six go with another supplier or tell you they've gone with another supplier or they can't afford it or they're going to do it themselves or whatever it might be. Why aren't you calling them up in three weeks' time, four weeks' time to ask how they're getting on with their project? And and his mind blowing. Yeah, his response was, I don't know. And I was like, because I guarantee now half of them won't have started, so they'll find a reason not to. Mm -hmm. Maybe two out of the six will be unhappy with the service they've been provided by the other supplier. So there's an opportunity for you there. You could fix it. Maybe you could fix it at cost and then know that you've got a customer for life. And then maybe the last one is delighted with what they chose to do and you can wish them well on their way and no harm done. Brilliant. And that's even assuming that you managed to get hold of all six or seven proposals you sent out because I'd probably reckon most people, they send out a proposal and they probably maybe send send one follow-up email, probably never pick up the phone, say, did you receive the proposal? What were your thoughts? Have you got any questions? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So our tactic is obviously if we agree to send somebody a proposal, a written proposal, they have to agree to a follow-up call, and that's on the first call. So we're not going to send you a written proposal unless we've already got that follow-up call in the diary. Oh, that's a bit harsh, Joel. What, what do you mean? You're going to, like, hound me or something? How, how, so how does that work? I justify it to myself as, you want me to spend time writing you a quote. You can at least do the courtesy of talking to me about that quote. Nice. So that's so it's almost like if someone's sat there listening, thinking, oh, God, that does sound harsh. You're, you're going to be calling someone up for an answer you actually frame that and give them a choice before you send the proposal, before you write the proposal. Yeah, exactly that. So easiest thing to do in that situation is if you're talking to somebody, and this normally occurs for businesses that charge more than £500, let's say. If you're talking to someone and they've got no clue on budget, so let's say um, let's say you do office refurbishment and 
chances are maybe a company refurbishes their office twice in its lifetime. So it's not something where they're, they're hot on their numbers in terms of what it's going to cost. You can say, well, we've refit 100 square meter offices for 14 grand and we've refit the same size offices for 100 grand. Pick any price in the middle and we can come up with something for you. If they go, bloody hell. 14 grand, that's how way, much? That's way more than I want to spend. You've you've done your qualification. You know that they're not the right fit. If they're like, okay, well, I've got a budget of 50. You can work with that. The next thing that I know listeners will say will happen is people never give away their budgets because they know you'll spend mm-hmm. it. So then you can talk to them and say, right, is it, are we in the right range? Yes. Okay. What things do you need? And they can reel off what they need. Well, here's the things I'd suggest too. How about I put a proposal together for you and we talk next Tuesday or Wednesday, which one's best for you? Okay. So then price, if you do get hold of that person and they turn up to the call, right, you know, Tuesday, 10 o'clock, Wednesday, 3 o'clock. Wednesday, 3 is going to be great. I'll call you then. You call them up and they say, oh, it's too expensive. That, That shouldn't be the case because you've almost agreed where the sort of starting point and end point would be so it's not you're not hitting them with a surprise yeah and i'd say a lot of businesses don't like this because it's a bit rude to talk about money or maybe they have got some to hide or they know they're like 10 times the price of their competitors or something but you've got to give people some kind of indication haven't you otherwise you could spend two days writing a proposal especially say if it's a site visit if you're a business where to do a consultation, you've actually got to go to their premises, like an office refurb. Yeah. You've got to visit their premises. So that's petrol. That's that's time out of your day. That's time where you can't uh, receive money from someone else. Then two days to write the proposal. You don't want to do all that only to find out, oh, yeah, I've only got two grand, mate. Yeah, ex- exactly that. And then I guess on, on your other point, you can't be ashamed of your prices. If you're ashamed of your prices, that should ring alarm bells for you in your business. Now, uh, everyone's got their own um, ideologies around money. So what's a lot of money to you might not be a lot of money to me. And we've, you know, one of our mentors has said, how much would you be willing to spend on your dream holiday? And we were in a room of 30 people. Everyone in the room had a different price, ranging from five grand to five million pounds. So that gives you an idea of people's beliefs about money. So then, then you have to think, okay, well, in my industry what's an acceptable amount to charge? Well, there's no right or wrong answer to that either because there's people out there that sell toilet roll for a grand and there's mm-hmm. people out there that sell toilet roll for a pound. And there's people out there that buy toilet roll for a grand and there's people out there that buy toilet roll for a pound. So if you're not confident in your prices and your prices won't be right and they won't be wrong, that there is no right or wrong, it will come over and you'll never get people to show up to that that follow-up call. We've got to do a whole other podcast on pricing. We could talk about this for, for so long because it is a tricky thing. And again, it comes back to being British maybe that it's a, it's almost a bit vulgar to talk about money. And it's like someone says, you know, how, how much do you charge Cobra? It's like, well, we've got private consultation clients who pay us 50 grand a year. We sell a book, a step-by-step guide for nine ninety nine. everything in between. What else do you want to know? Yeah. And price is always the last thing everyone wants to talk about but the first thing they all want to know. So we're all sat there doing this merry dance literally i only said dancing around the maypole we're all sat there skirting around ultimately i know what you want and you can explain that to me and in five minutes i know what you want this is how much it costs 
And here's something controversial to go high or low on price. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you always need to be authentic with your price. So you should never, you should, if you charge someone a grand for something and then someone else asks for the same thing, my personal beliefs are they should also pay a grand as long as it is exactly the same. But especially locally, word gets out, you don't want someone thinking, shit, I paid a grand. He paid 500 quid down the road. Yeah, exactly so that. Quick way to get a bad reputation. But I think if you've got two packages, don't assume that someone doesn't have the money for the, the higher package. Always offer the higher package first because the reason you have those packages or should have those packages is because they help people. So offer them the premium one. And if they say, yes, brilliant. If it transpires, they genuinely don't need it, can't afford it then you've got somewhere to go mm-hmm. where if you offer them the bottom one, which which maybe you've extracted enough information to know that that's the right decision, mm-hmm. but you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. So. And that's, that's hard, isn't it? So you say if your top package is uh, your top office refurb package. What are you talking about office refurbs? It's been a while since we've done ours. Um, and it's 100 grand. It's also, oh, I can't say that because we've got an office refurb package for like 10 grand. So I'll say 10 grand. So, like you say, you've got nowhere to go. Where the way you framed it, you know, our one-to-one service starts at sixty grand per annum, and we've got a marketing book for nine ninety-nine on Amazon. What else do you need to know? There's a big range there to play in. Of, you know, if someone hasn't got nine ninety-nine for a book, there's nothing we can do to help, really. Well, it's not true. They could they could join the corporate club, but, but uh, which is free, but. That's not part of our pricing. Mm-hmm. That so that yeah. yeah yeah. So if we're um, so if we're looking at the fortune is being in the follow up, why don't we look at firstly maybe inquiries? Because we talked about mm. proposals. Let's do proposals second. Let's drill down to inquiries because never cease to amaze me when when we um, say take over someone's accounts. When when a client a new client uh, is brought on board, one of the first things we do is discuss what happens to inquiries when they come in. Mm. How do people make inquiries? Does it tend to be email, phone, whatever? And generally speaking, we find a lot of money for them there. So an example would be, turns out someone's got five email inquiries sat in their spam filter, but no one checks the the spam folder. Like they check it maybe once a month Mm. and they got like money sitting there. In fact, I did an email, was it on Monday, about a lady in Michigan who um, was looking for a missing email. So she opened up her junk email folder and found an email from the Michigan State Lottery where she had generally won the $3 million prize. So she, she has now added the Michigan State Lottery to her safe senders list, and she's uh, distributing the money amongst her family. So it's amazing. Like We check our and everyone in the Cobrate group checks their spam folder once a day because you never know what might be in there. So that could be, a, it sounds super simple, but that's an easy way of like making sure, like, have you got inquiries, people wanting to give you their money or potentially want to give you their money, sat there, waiting for you and i think that's the first thing how quickly are you getting back to inquiries uh, i think it's really tough when as a marketing company in particular we're talking to clients and they've got inquiries that they haven't serviced mm-hmm. um because that's a warm lead someone who's actively reaching out saying i need your help is a warm lead and warm leads can only get colder they don't, they don't once they're at the point of inquiry, there's nowhere for them to go but colder. So the longer you leave it, the colder it gets. Now, I appreciate if you get an inquiry at half past three and by 3.31, you've sent them a quote. 
that looks pretty desperate. Uh, that, that looks like you've not got much else to do. But there's systems and processes you can put in place so they could get an auto response. Thanks very much for your inquiry. One of our team will be in touch within the next 24 hours or one of our team will be in touch within the next 48 hours, whatever's appropriate to you. And it might be that you need to find out more information before you can quote, and that's fine too. But the amount of businesses we know that just don't service their inquiries blows my mind. So generally happened today, my wife calls me at about 10 o'clock this morning to say our washing machine's broken. Now, we've got two kids, we've got dog blankets. I know what you're going to say here, and we haven't even discussed this. And so we sat down to record the podcast at about quarter past three, and they still hadn't called her back. So if they haven't called by the end of the day, Emma's going to call someone else. We're quite loyal to this repair firm, but it's like people need their washing machine. So there are some industries where you pretty much need to get onto the case a lot quicker than other industries. And if the only way of getting hold of you is the phone, how often are you checking your voicemails? Why aren't you paying for a call answering service? Bananas. So I think we're on the sixth builder that we've, so we moved out in June. Mm -hmm. We're on the sixth builder of, we've placed an inquiry. Some have come out to quote and then just disappeared. Wow. Number six. Wow. And I'm not confident he's going to show up. That's mad. He can't give you money away sometimes. So, I mean, how quickly are you getting back to inquiries? That's the important one. Um, are you missing inquiries? Talked about like voicemails. I mean, how do they know these voicemails? So if you if you are a kind of emergency service, like washing machine type repair person, then if you can't answer your phone because you're hip deep in water fixing someone else's machine, then, you know, using Make a call sure service, a voice, call answering yeah. service for like, 50 quid a month or something could be a, a worth investment, but worthwhile investment. But who's checking your voicemails? Who's checking your spam? Who's checking your social media? Some people, you know, that people want the path of least resistance to them. People are very selfish. So if someone's favorite method of communication is, say, Instagram direct message and your business is on Instagram, guess what? That's the method they'll use to contact you. So if they send you an Instagram DM and hours, days later, young got back to them. Yeah, so that yeah. warm lead has gone stone cold. And there's two schools of thought on that, for sure. In that if your custom if you know your customer avatar is someone who's more likely to use the phone, and so you gear your whole business around telephone inquiries, that's okay, but don't complain that you've got no inquiries if there's some sitting in your DMs or your emails or wherever else. Or you set up your business to be able to take inquiries from all angles and accept that that will come with some shit, basically. Yeah. I'd, I'd certainly, certainly advise people never to have just one form of communication. Like, like you say, you don't want to be stretched everywhere. You don't want to be accepting messages on Pinterest, Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook, LinkedIn, everything. But there are some businesses still out there who the phone is pretty much the only way of getting hold of them. And I'd say that's in this day and age, and yes, it could be the end of Western civilization as we know it, some people simply do not want to pick up the phone. They want to DM. They don't even want to email. They want to send you a message. Maybe you've got live chat on your website. Maybe it is Instagram direct message. But it's acknowledging that just because you want to do something a certain way, if it turns out that 75% of the, your ideal customers prefer another method of communication, you probably need to take that under advisement. So if you were going to book a holiday, what would you do? Book it online. If you were going to buy a car, what would you do? Um, go to a car dealership. I know you bought a car online. That's mental, though. That's yeah, an extreme yeah, example. Yeah, I, I, I want to see it. I want to test drive it. Um, if I've test driven a car and it's like, oh, I really like this, 
May I still shop around? Yeah, which is which is why car salespeople get annoyed. Uh, and yeah, but, but they are some of the best salespeople around. They are trained because they know once you left that showroom, you're gone. You, you're gone. Yeah, you're yeah. gone. Um, and and uh, I remember I told you this story when I was um, considering getting a new car. I was sat in the car showroom, and it was towards the end of the day, but I don't know four thirty. And and this this sales lady who I'd seen earlier was now in like jeans. So she changed to go off home to go out meeting a mate, whatever. So almost like finished for the day. And she was walking through like the, the hospitality area where the coffee machine was. And I was, I was sat there and she walked past, she noticed one of the sort of kitchen type cupboard doors was slightly ajar. And as she walked past, she looked, she noticed it, went over and just shut it. I was like, bloody hell, what attention to detail that, I bet most people just walk past that. In most offices, you think about the coffee stain that's been there for ages, the door that's wide open, the dust everywhere. But it's like, wow, car showrooms, you can learn a lot about, I think, customer service and sales. Yeah, that. yeah, it's it's mind-boggling, isn't it? I, I mean, speaking of where people buy things, my in-laws bought their kitchen online without speaking to anyone else. Wow, how old are they? Uh, 70 and 63. Wow, so it's not just... I say younger people who are just buying stuff online in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. So Nigel, um, so confident in his measurements, quite a handy guy. So he was happy to buy online. Wow. And obviously, you're talking a significant amount of money. And it showed up and he, it all slotted into place because he knew what he was doing. But that's yeah goes to show what people would be willing to buy without speaking to someone. So what about, like, I mean, restaurants... Uh, barbers, people like that. would you book? Would you would you phone a restaurant up to book a table if they didn't have online booking? Or you'd like, no, I'll I'll just go. So this go is else. this is topic of the day today. I need to ring the pub because I'm meant to be going to the pub quiz tonight. But you have to book, right? I don't really like ringing the pub. You got to ring a pub to book onto their quiz. Yeah. Okay. Now. Yeah. So I don't really like doing that. And restaurants, I really like online booking systems. But I appreciate like there's a there's a restaurant near us that that is in for a Michelin star. Not particularly expensive, it's just very good. And um not my old mates, is it? No. Thank God. Uh but you you have to ring up. You, they're, they're never gonna have I mean they still write they literally still write it in a book. And they're never gonna change because they've got a queue of people waiting to go there. But if you're about to open a burger bar or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing you got to accept that people just want to hop on their phone and book online. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's knowing what your customers are doing, their habits. That's why when, when we say they're going to launch a Facebook ad campaign for a client, we drill down into their, their ideal customers, what their interests are, what they like doing, because it makes the marketing so much more effective yeah. and so much easier, to be honest. So um, I think inquiries. Okay. So we talked about that proposals. I know we've talked about this quite a bit already, but I mean, how are you quoting would be the first question I'd ask people who are listening. Are you just sending a message? Are you sending, are you quoting over the phone? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? So, uh, I mean, we've got mentors that will say different things on this. And I, I think proof is in the pudding. So I know for us, ultimately everyone wants to see the price written under their nose because it feels very, um, definitive. Mm-hmm. So it's like a contract. Uh, I want to see the price and I want it in writing mm-hmm. because then I know basically you can't budge. And I, I get that. That's fair enough. And so what would you say, touching up on, uh, upon a point you made earlier, if someone's like, right, okay, I understand that. Yep. So you send me a written proposal and you then say, well, okay, happy to do that. 
but obviously we need to agree a date and time. Um, and they say, no, no, listen, if I'm interested, I'll get back to you. What would you say? Uh, I think you need to identify that that's a slow no. It would be. I thought you didn't say fuck off then. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. There's two. There's two schools of thought there. If if they're if they're in a rush and they're a busy person, so there's plenty of business owners out there that and, and consumers out there that are just genuinely busy. So they're okay. trying to t- pin them down quite hard. All right. If that's a problem for you now, whilst I've got you, why don't I email it you now and we'll go through it now? There's nothing wrong with that. I just want you to have it in writing so you've got it in front of you. Have you got it? Let me know when it pings through. Cool. Right. There's your options. What else do you need to know? And I've got no problems with that. If you feel that they're a good fit and the only issue is time, fine. Chances are if they're saying stuff like that, they're just shopping around and that's very different. So if they're not willing to commit to chatting again on the other side, don't go to the effort of writing them a proposal, particularly if a proposal costs you a lot of money to put together and a lot of time. Because you said these builders have sent close stuff, but they've never, they've never really followed it up. So I'll, I'll, so if, yeah, we're on number six, three have quoted, and I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through without doing any acting because no one can see us. What the three, the three ways people quoted. Uh, oof, that looks quite hard. There's a fair bit of work to do there, mate. You're looking at, yeah, it's going to be a few days. I think we're talking five grand. It won't be over five grand, but it's five grand. And that would be how people, how they quoted. And what did you say when he said that? What does that include? Well, that's, that's your time, mate. Obviously you've got to buy the materials. So we'll, we'll get you to order them in before we show up. And, um, that allows us, you know, and, and, and that's about as much clarity as I got. So did he ask you to make a decision? No. So no. What, how, how was it left? All three was, I just need to go and price up the bits right. and I'll be in touch to let you know to order them. Never heard from them again. So they didn't want the work, do you think? Or they just, just shit? I think, they, I think there's so much work out there for tradespeople at the moment that they pick the easy jobs, which I've got no problem with that. I just rather you told me. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, yeah, face-to-face people don't want to do that. Well, I remember we had a plaster come round. And it was a small job. And I looked him in the eye and said, listen, I own a business. I totally appreciate this small job. If this is not worth your while, just tell me that's fine. And he was like, no, no, I love the little jobs. I'll send you a quote. Never did. And it's just, well, I've been working hard on not letting stuff like that wind me up. Um, But yes, it's it's a slow journey. Um, But like you said earlier on, if someone says... Yes, Joel, I'm interested in your service. I think you can help me, and you think you can help them. And they say, yes, I would love you to send me a proposal with a couple of options on. It is your right, in our opinion, to say, I'm more than happy to do that because I'd love to help you. you just got to agree for a date and time for feedback. And if it's a no, that's fine, but a yes or a no, because being caught in the chase is a horrible thing, isn't it? Um, and the zapper of all joy. And I think a lot of business owners would struggle with this part to, to actually not push, maybe the wrong word, but to, to, to request uh, to request a decision because it's your time. Value I, your time. And I think most people's fear on this would be, well, they just won't show up. It's like, well, 
what difference does that make versus sending the quote and not having a time tied down? <laughs> the chat, you've increased your chances of them showing up because you've agreed a time. What would you do if they don't turn up? You say, yep, yeah, right, Joel, look forward to your proposal. Um, and I understand you're going to call me or Zoom me at three o'clock next Thursday. Off the cuff, here's my script. So I've called, gone to voicemail, so they've not shown up. Hi, Andy. Bastards. We have we got an agreed time to talk today at three o'clock, so I can only imagine something terrible's happened because we got on great guns. Let me know when we can go over the proposal. I've got three o'clock tomorrow or four o'clock on Friday. Which one's best for you? Look forward to hearing from you. Done. Cool. What do you do if they don't follow up that? Emailing just after I've left that message. Just left you a voice note. Realise not everyone checks their voicemails. Obviously, we didn't manage to catch up today. Assume something's gone awry at your end. I've I've got three o'clock tomorrow or four o'clock on Friday. Let me know which is best for you. They might not reply to that email, but you should remain professional and persistent until you get them to tell you to fuck off. Yeah, I, I've written down here the three P's that are either crucial when we're talking about the follow-up. It's be polite, be professional, and be persistent. And we talk about consistent persistence or persistent consistence. I never know which way around it is. Both means the same, I suppose. Um, sometimes people, they they want to buy. They're just busy. They've got kids to pick up from school. They've got food shopping to do. Their car's broken down. Their mum's not well. But if you only like leave one voicemail for them, again, you could be leaving money on the table. Now, there's there's a client who we stayed in touch with politely, and professionally, and he became a client after two years of being in touch with us. Now, obviously, you know, of course, you know, he's a bit of an exception to the rule. But the point is, we stayed in touch. He's, um, uh, when people inquire online, they agree to receive our news and insights, and we stay in touch with them via email. And if they want to unsubscribe, it's all legally compliant, our email system. They can tick the little box that says, I don't want to hear from you again, and they won't. But they were interested enough to stick their hand up and say, I want to hear from you guys. I'm interested in, in what you're selling. Please stay in touch with me. Mm. And an email, I mean, that's a whole, God, that's a whole three podcasts about people who say, oh, email marketing shit, right? How many emails you send your database oh, once every two months? Well, no wonder it's shit. I mean, that you, version of email marketing is pretty shit. <laughs> you, you send an email, I don't know, once a week. Oh, God, I couldn't do that. I hate it when companies email me once a week. Well, okay, take yourself out of the equation. Do you know, permission to rant. Granted. Thank you. <laughs> I think that might be my pet hate in marketing is when people say, oh, I don't want to bother people. But what the fuck are you talking to a marketing agency for then? It's, it's you're not. You're not bothering people. If they've agreed to sign up to your mailing list and you're providing value with your emails, mm-hmm. that's not bothering people. Now, I've been doing some outreach today so looking at the behavior of some people in our database. There's people in our database who've never spoken to us, who've read every one of our emails. So there must be value in them. Must be. Because why would they read them? So then it makes it, then I think, well, why haven't these people spoken to me? And, and there's people in our database who we've called who haven't answered the phone, who've read every email in our database. So we are providing value, and that whole like, oh, I don't want to email people too much, or I don't want them to get you know more than one a week. Well, which is it? Like, mm. do you want to grow your business? Do you want do you want people to know about you? 
or do you want to sit back passively? I just don't get it. It's the lead a horse to water but can't make it drink thing. And well, I was saying if you if you think you're bothering people, your email content is definitely wrong. Because yeah, if if yes, if every email you send simply says buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, yeah, you are bothering people. Yeah, your email should be communicating value. Of course, have a cheeky seller there. Say if you'd like to know more, click here to book an appointment. Whatever it might be, you know, should always be a call to action. But you're there giving people like free advice, free expertise, no matter what field you're in. So it's almost like your duty when someone says, yes, please keep sending me your free tips to keep sending them. And the the compromise, according to research I was looking at in terms of email frequency is once a fortnight. And if that's too much for you, then then we wouldn't take you on as an email marketing client. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, some some businesses send daily emails, and that's become quite trendy. But of course, for a lot of businesses, that puts too much pressure on them in terms of knowing what to say every day. Yeah, which is, well, I, when I, they come I, to us. But I mean, I looked at our stuff. Like I said, I looked at our stuff today. There's people who receive our daily emails, that well, nearly daily emails, who are also in our funnel. So some days they receive two emails from us. I'm not bothered by that. They'll unsubscribe if they don't want them. And how are you with people unsubscribing? Uh, much better. <laughs> so I think people unsubscribing is cleaning your list because they were never going to buy from you anyway. Nice. Uh, if And that's where you fall back into vanity metrics. So I, I've been quite harsh on vanity metrics in the past because, you know, likes, shares, bullshit, email open rate, can't, can't, could be considered bullshit. But it's not if you're putting out value because if you're putting out value you get more engagement so then it's uh, uh, an example of kind of how much value you're putting out there what's the context of your your posts or your emails or whatever so if people don't unsubscribe you could argue that that means you're putting out good emails if people do unsubscribe you can either decide your emails must be shit. Mm-hmm. Or if you're certain your emails aren't shit, then it's cleaning your list. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think there is a fear, you know, and I sent an email about this recently, um, or maybe I, I wrote on the Cobrate Club Facebook group, but amazing things happen on the other side of fear. And if you're scared about, oh, someone might unsubscribe because I sent an email to them three weeks ago, that's something you need to work on in terms of yeah. in terms of your mindset. Because again, you're sharing value. It's your job to share value as often as you're comfortable with. Um, but don't expect miracles if that is once a month, once every other month. Um, so some people will unsubscribe. Some people won't get back to a proposal because they said they're too busy. And that's usually the thing, isn't it? I'm too busy. How are you, Joel? Oh, busy. Everyone's busy. But I the am thing busy. Is, that's an excuse. It's not a reason. Everyone's busy. No, it's not. So, I'm busy. <laughs> so to someone say, um, yeah, I haven't got time to get back to you. It's like, that's, again, that, that's rubbish. Oh, I haven't had time to read your email. It takes 20 seconds to read an email. So you're not high enough on their priority list. So maybe, maybe before sending the proposal out, you need to do a bit more qualification because that's something that I think a lot of businesses miss. They, they don't qualify. And it may be even more importantly, they don't disqualify. Yeah potential customers because just someone says oh i'd like you to quote it's like well hang on let's find out whether i can help you or not because if if i don't think i can help you i don't want to quote i mean the word business busyness like 
course they're busy. They're in business. Like it's it, yeah. It, that's another. I could have another rant about that. It, the whole point someone tries to buy something from you is to probably make themselves more or less busy. So of course they're busy. It, it, it's you know I, I'm buying this off you to either save me time or create me more business. Either way, I'm busy. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Um, so I guess it all boils down to valuing your time and experience. Um, you've had inquiries, you've had meetings, you've had site visits that have turned into proposals. That's all your time and energy and experience, the sacrifices you've made, the money you've invested in growing uh, your business, in growing as a person, self-development, the money you know, the money you spent, all that has to be taken into consideration when you are sending a proposal out because then it's always becomes like common sense. Well, if I'm going to do all this for you, Mr. or Mrs. potential new customer, all I'm asking for is a yes or no, or if you've got any questions, mm. how can I help? Um, and again, especially if it's a site visit. You know, I remember in the old days, you know, we'd, we'd drop everything to go to a meeting. Someone would ring up saying, oh, I'm interested in marketing, and we'd just drive to see them. Whereas now it's like, well, let's have a chat on the phone first to find out whether or not there's a good fit. No, 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 don't do it over the phone. Want to meet face? No, it doesn't work like you, that. You had one of those just before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it doesn't work like that. Well, I don't want to work with you then. I said, well, okay, that, that's fine. And that can be difficult, and especially if times are tough. You want the money in, but it took me a long while to long while, uh, long while to realise there is such a thing as bad money. It's a hard lesson, isn't it? That one that obviously every business owner, whether their motivation is money or not, needs money to make the wheels go round. Mm-hmm. How it works, but some money can actually suck the life out of your business and put you in a really bad place and yeah. stop you from earning good money. Yeah. Yeah, is it don't let bad money after good or something, or don't use bad money after good? There is some quotes about yeah. that. So, to to finalise, what's the difference between being caught in the chase and a follow-up procedure? So, follow-up procedures nowadays, with the right systems, can be automated from the start. There are some businesses that have people dedicated to sales and follow-up, which mm. may or may not fit your business model. But if you're caught in the chase for a decision and it's all manual, you're there calling and calling and wondering why. Then they say, oh, I'm really busy. I'll get back to you next week. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant, John. Thanks. Next week comes and goes. Then, oh, shit, John never got back to me. I'll call him again. And again, I'll speak from long experience. And maybe there are a few people nodding their heads as I'm saying this. It's a really painful place. And in terms of your mindset, that's not where you want to be. You want to be focusing on people you can help. And it's almost better to put that down to experience and focus on the pre-proposal process first, making sure that can you help this person? Do they qualify or do you disqualify them? And are they okay with agreeing to give you a decision on a certain date and time and agreeing for you to stay in touch either way? But I mean, sometimes we're just really upfront and we'll say, it's like, I got I've got people to help, so I can't afford to get caught in the chase. Are are you okay giving me a yes or a no? And some people may be, some people may not be, but that's okay because I know if they're not okay, give me a decision. I will get caught in the chase and ain't going back there again. But getting those foundations right are really important. I think you know 
um, we're going to be launching uh, the first of our strategy days very soon. So watch this space. And we'll be talking a lot about this because if we can save you time, we can make you money. Yeah, the amount of businesses that have, like you said at the beginning, got money on the table, but they're not grabbing because they haven't got the processes and systems in place to grab it, which is fair enough. That's such an opportunity out there for people. It's ma- I mean, <laughs> you, you know, I'm talking about now, uh, a client I went to see um, and saw about, we did some stuff for them and we talked about email marketing as their business. So, how, how many people do you have on your, on your database? And they were like, quite casually, they were like, um, oh, I don't know, about, about 30,000. It's like, what the fuck, 30,000? And they were like, yeah. How often do you email these people? Never. When, when we get a chance. And I think it was about once every two or three months. And it was like, holy shit, when we discovered that nugget, well, we started making money for them hand well, over fist. What was it? He emailed his database on the Friday with some of his old courses. So he didn't have to create anything new. And he made 15 grand off one email. It's mad. So that paid, that paid for us for the year. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not building a database, then that's another another good thing for, right. for people who have inquired um, what are you offering that in exchange people will give you their contact details for you to stay in touch with them uh, no matter what your thoughts are on that there are ways to build database mm. because if your leverage stay on Instagram and suddenly Instagram decides I don't like you anymore and bin you or whatever it might be it's like you know it, it's plenty bum time Whereas a database that you own that you can stay in touch with, it puts the it gives you a, a massive layer of protection. Mm. And building that email database, uh, ideally with phone numbers as well, so you can call them up, you can text message marketing, whatever. It's just really crucial because social a certain number of social media channels are getting really really funny. And here endeth the lesson. You've been listening to the Stay Hungry podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to catch our latest episode on your preferred platform. For further marketing tips and advice, search for the Codebreak Club on Facebook, or if you've been listening live, hello. Uh, That's our free group for business owners looking to get more high-value appointments. Take it easy. We'll catch you again. And remember, stay hungry. Stay hungry.